Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. Today's main story. Researchers in the UK are leading efforts to track how COVID-19 mutates. Following the evolution of the virus is critical in controlling the pandemic. Scientists trying to keep tabs on those mutations are in a race against time. But first, here's what happened in virus news today. One year after Italy first shut down to contain the spread of COVID-19, the country is preparing to enter a new lockdown. Prime Minister Mario Draghi, who came to power just last month, has promised to triple the pace of vaccination. But the specter of fresh restrictions is a particularly unwelcome form of déjà vu for many in the country. The World Health Organization said immunizations with the AstraZeneca vaccine should continue, even after at least 10 nations suspended its use. The vaccination halts come amid concerns that the vaccine leads to an increased risk of blood clots. An expert group is assessing the reports of clots in some people who had received doses of the inoculation. Finally, Michigan said it would begin vaccinating all people 16 years and older starting April 5th. The accelerated timetable was released as Governor Gretchen Whitmer announced that a mass vaccination site capable of administering 6,000 doses a day would open March 24th at Ford Field in Detroit. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. And now for today's main story. Fast-moving variants of the coronavirus seen in England, South Africa, and Brazil have sparked concern around the world. Researchers worry some may diminish the potency of existing vaccines and complicate efforts to escape the pandemic. As COVID-19 cases started to climb in early 2020, British scientists decided to track the evolution of the pathogen. 
And as health reporter James Payton reports, this project gives the country and others the chance to respond quickly if alarming changes arise. The plan for the group, known as the COVID-19 Genomics UK Consortium, came together about a year ago. But Nick Lohman, a professor at the University of Birmingham, says not everyone was convinced. And as the virus traveled around the world in the ensuing months, the genetic changes seemed insignificant. Back then, actually, people thought it was a bit of a waste of time, partly because there was very little genetic diversity. Like all the genomes were very, very similar. There was an element of you're doing um, a very expensive um, stamp collecting uh, here, you know, while there's a pandemic going on. The scientists went on with the project just in case. Mutations arise naturally all the time. While the vast majority are innocuous, sometimes they make viruses more or less infectious. They can even increase their power to kill. For example, the flu virus that caused the 1918 pandemic is thought to have undergone a mutation in the middle of the outbreak that made it more lethal. Today, the hope is that rapidly analyzing the genetic material of the virus on a large scale can help determine whether new versions of the pathogen are becoming more dangerous. Researchers crucially want to see if these mutations might be able to evade or outrun vaccines developed by companies such as Pfizer, Moderna, and AstraZeneca. Evidence that variants could pose a problem was already mounting last year, but a turning point came in early December. Scientists in the UK were studying a surge of cases in Southeast England and noticed something highly unusual. Changes in the virus stuck out like a long branch from the rest of the data in the family tree. Lohman calls it an evolutionary burst. The variant, later called B117, was found to have more than 20 mutations. One of the great things about having this UK data set is that we can be pretty sure we're not missing things. You know, we're not missing large fractions of the population with infections because we have such dense sampling. So the question for, for, the, for that is, what happened there? Why did we get suddenly a burst of 20 mutations that kind of seemingly came out of nowhere? Further examination showed this version of the virus was likely to be much more transmissible. It also appeared to be on the move, fanning out across the country. Six days before Christmas, Prime Minister Boris Johnson delivered a solemn address to the nation. He warned of a new and fast-spreading variant. Standing behind the podium displaying symbols for hands, face, and space, the UK's campaign to fight COVID, Johnson outlined a plan to impose tougher restrictions on movement and travel. In the speech, broadcast on networks like the BBC, he also pointed to the UK's genomics team. When the science changes, we must change our response. And when the virus changes its method of attack, we must change our method of defence. And as your Prime Minister, I sincerely believe there is no alternative open to me. Without action, the evidence suggests that infections would soar, hospitals would become overwhelmed, and many thousands more would lose their lives. Since then, the work carried out by the British organization has intensified. Today, it's analyzing about 30,000 samples a week, triple the level of just a couple of months ago. It's also more than twice the activity seen in the U.S., even after Centers for Disease Control and Prevention head Rochelle Walensky stepped on the accelerator. 
The Biden administration, meanwhile, announced nearly $200 million in funding to track variants. Sharon Peacock is director of the UK Consortium. She and her colleagues plan to expand training around the world for technicians, policymakers, and others, while also strengthening partnerships with similar operations. She worries some countries will get left behind. That would put them at a disadvantage in detecting mutations that might undermine immunization campaigns, not just in those regions, but everywhere. So we're reaching a point in the pandemic where it's possible that we have a divided world where some parts of the world have ready access to vaccines and also genome sequencing so that they compare the information up for the two and get the most effective vaccine rollout that they can. And other parts of the world where there's limited vaccine availability, but also very limited, or almost no genome sequencing available. And so they're, they're working without knowledge of what variants are occurring in that country. Nowhere is safe until we know exactly what's happening across the world and everyone is protected. And that means genome sequencing. The World Health Organization has been vigilant over the past year. It's working with countries to bolster detection, shipping samples to labs, and providing supplies, guidance, and funds. Still, Lohman says the global approach is patchy, and wealth isn't necessarily a prerequisite. The Democratic Republic of Congo has a good monitoring system, driven by its work in combating Ebola. Others do not. The system works best if everyone is equipped to share genetic data, track emerging variants, and take action. We want as many eyes on this as possible. It's actually a relatively small number of people that do this work. And so, you know, we really want everyone that knows molecular biology, that knows immunology, knows genomics um, to, be, to be looking at this data um, all the time to kind of spot the next, the next emergence of something interesting. The UK organization shares its information through a global database. Almost half of that coronavirus data has come from Peacock's group. But massive genome sequencing alone isn't enough. Jeremy Farrar is director of UK-based research foundation Welcome. He met with the British scientists a year ago in London to discuss their plan. He says the analysis must be connected to broader public health and disease tracking efforts. The whole issue of genomic surveillance so we can track these variants uh, today, tomorrow, and in fact for years to come is going to be absolutely critical. Um, That needs to go on at a global level. Uh, It needs, and this is really important, I think, it needs to be locally owned. This has to be convened, coordinated at a global level. The data needs to be shared, but it also needs to be shared equitably. A year later, scientists are wrestling with a different set of uncertainties. While developers are optimistic they can keep pace with the virus and tweak their shots quickly if necessary, the future is unclear. The possibility the world will need coronavirus vaccines at regular intervals, just like flu shots that require annual reformulation, looks increasingly likely. Peacock says researchers' understanding of the virus has increased considerably since the crisis erupted, but there's still a lot to learn in the next phase of the pandemic. She sees a few different potential scenarios for how the virus evolves from here. Are we going to see a a plateau in that, so we know what we're dealing with? Or a better situation where the virus really evolves out of kind of fitness and becomes less fit, so it becomes more like the common cold. The worst case scenario is that the virus actually has more in store for us and that it becomes, uh, it could could cause more serious disease. And we don't know the trajectory of the virus at the moment. The coming months are going to be critical. 
Health officials in the UK have detected 10 cases of a concerning variant that originated in Brazil, and more twists and turns are seen as inevitable. Peacock points to a couple of mutations, one in South Africa, that have shown an ability to diminish, though not overcome, the power of vaccines. The risk to vaccines at the moment I believe to be low, and the key is to get the vaccines that we have at the moment rolled out as fast as possible to as many people as possible. That gives us the best chance of really controlling COVID-19 cases in the world, and that's the best way of reducing uh, variants arising, because they don't have the opportunity to go through an infection cycle and therefore uh, develop mutations. The stakes are high for Britain. The UK project and the country's efforts to secure and roll out vaccines have been bright spots for a country that has faltered in other ways. Britain has the highest death toll in Europe and has faced intense scrutiny for what critics see as a string of missteps earlier in the pandemic. Now, Prime Minister Johnson has declared that an end to the crisis is in sight. He plans to ease lockdown rules. Keeping a close eye on mutations will remain an important part of the strategy. Countries like the UK will need that surveillance, not just in this crisis, but the next one as well. That was James Payton. And that's it for our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com slash coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Podcast is produced by Topher Forges, Magnus Henriksen, and me, Laura Carlson. Special thanks to John Lowerman. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Our editors are Rick Shine and Francesca Levy. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.